morning to our live stream people that are up at the cabin and in the camper and in the boat. Good morning to our campuses in Grand Blanc and Pontotoc, Mississippi. Good morning to our radio family that are out there. And uh, can we just, just, just so they know that we mean this, which we welcome everybody that's watching and listening right now. Come on. So good you guys have joined us. So much fun. And uh, we're excited to be here. So last week, let's just get into it. You guys ready? Here we go. Last week, we began to kind of scratch the surface on some preacher's choice questions. What's a preacher's choice question? It's the stuff that's on my heart, things that I I need to digest, things that I feel like are questions that deserve answers, um, evidence that demands verdicts. And so we started last week talking about our story and the power of our story, about how in uh, Revelations it talks about overcoming the devil. They overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb, what Jesus has done. And by the word of our testimony, what Jesus is doing. How many of you guys know Jesus is not done, he's still doing? He, he, he did, but he is doing things in people's lives. So your story has really a tremendous impact. You're, you bringing the, the thoughts of the gospel into flesh and, and saying, this is what God has done in my life. How many of you guys are looking forward to hearing a testimony from a little Texas gal named Tilly someday, you know? That, that story will have a power that will encourage anybody who has a child that's going through what Tilly is now going through. Do you see what I'm saying? So what God has done for you, he creates a legal precedent that he can do for anyone who asks. Does this make sense? So you go, well, no, God, God did something special over there. Everything God does is special. And wherever he does it, it, it is special. So last week we talked about that. But the other thing we started just scratching the surface on was this thought of purpose. Purpose has been... Um, something that I've given a lot of thought to. I, I don't know why, but it's just, I assume it's the Holy Spirit. I assume it's God teaching me things and observing things that help me to be a better husband or father or pastor or friend. And, and in that thought, I, I talk about purpose probably more than anybody you know. Is that true? How many guys have memorized Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10? Because I talk about it just about every week. Just so you know, I'm not talking about Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 today. I'm not going to repeat things like, you know, it's God that created us to do good works in advance. I won't talk about that. I just did. <laughs> I love it. So last week we talked about what God wants to do in the realm of evangelism. We compared it in the second service to the thought of surfing. And that is, how many of you guys have ever created a wave? You've created a splash. You've created a ripple. You've never created a wave. God creates waves. But there's something called surfing. Anybody here ever surfed? Very few people would even know what a surfboard is. It's a stick in the wave that you ride on. And it doesn't surprise me that most people have never surfed because Michigan, the only place to surf is Chicago. And, and uh, it's like Michigan, and it's brutally cold when you get the nor'easters. But out in California, out in Florida, there's people that just, let's just go to the beach. They grab a surfboard, and this is what they do. They paddle, paddle, paddle. Anybody ever tried to surf? I rented a surfboard once. It was a terrible idea. Um, I, was, I was the guy out on the surfboard exhausted by the time I got to where the waves were breaking, hoping that the white shark ate me. I mean, that, that's how much pain I was in, thinking, this is terrible. What idiot would surf? But then I, I, I turned the board around, and here comes a wave, and then you're exhausted. you got to paddle, 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 paddle. And then the wave, hear me, I've done all the work so far. I've fought every wave. I've gone against the grain. My arms are exhausted. My deltoids are exhausted. I can hear the music in the background. Ba-dum. And I'm paddling faster just to get this over with, get my resume of experiences. I turn around, paddle, paddle, paddle. But then something really amazing happens. As you stop working and the wave begins. 
When, when the Holy Spirit moves, as we talked about last week, through various expressions in the Jesus movement and the charismatic renewal and contemporary Christian music where, where thousands or millions were birthed into the kingdom, understand that it wasn't the guy in the spandex with the guitar that was doing the work. It was the Holy Spirit that sent a wave that led people like me to Jesus. So I'm trying to say this. I believe that because today there, there doesn't seem to be like this wave of people being born again, that's not news that discourages me. That's news that encourages me to, to find a wave. I believe God wants to do something in this generation just like he's done in others, but distinct to this generation. If you agree with that, say amen. If you think God's done doing stuff, then you're, you're really in the wrong room because we're gonna talk about what God wants to do, not just what God did 2,000 years ago, but, but what he is doing today. So when Jesus was talking to people about the kingdom, he often, if not exclusively, would bring what they were already thinking about into the conversation that they wanted to have. For example, people are hungry. He's fed them loaves and fish and multiply. Then he gets up and goes somewhere else, and they get hungry again. How many of you guys know the bad thing about bread and Chinese food is it's gone in about two hours, and you want to eat it again. White rice and white bread. It's just, hey, that filled me up. I'm satisfied. Burp. I'm hungry. I'm starving. What happened? So they're looking for him because they're hungry, and they find him and say, hey, remember that miracle you did back there? Do that one again. That's our favorite miracle. Every time you multiply loaves and fish, we get a filet sandwich. We, we get a McNuggy. We, we, like, if you could just like, create ranch dressing about 2,000 years before it will be created, today would be the best day ever. And so make us more bread. So they're hungry. What are they thinking about? When they're hungry for bread, they're thinking about what? Their body. But they're thinking about bread. So Jesus goes, hey, guess what? I am the bread of life. What's he doing? He's taking what they're thinking about, he's taking what they're talking about, and he's connecting the kingdom of truth to where they already are. So this woman comes out to the well. Samaritan woman, Sychar's the village, the well's right outside, Jacob's well. She walks in the heat of the day. We helped Pastor Carl move yesterday. The heat of the day, right? Everybody's sweaty just thinking about moving a box or mowing the lawn or whatever it is. And we get out there, and, and when, you, when you finally sit down, what is it when you've been thirsty, when you've been hot, when you've been tired, it's time to sit down. The first thing I want is a nice cold what? Be careful. Glass of water. I forgot who I was talking to. A nice cold glass of water, right? So they're thirsty, and he says to the woman who's thirsty, he says to her, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. So what is the thing that it seems our culture, our nation, the people around us, our neighbors, our coworkers, the students in our class, what is it they're thinking about more than almost any other thing today? Interesting. It's purpose. Purpose, according to Webster's, is the reason for which something is created or exist. It's interesting that the latest studies, the post-COVID studies that are coming out, says we're all, we're all exhausted, we're all stressed out, we're all overwhelmed. But, but don't be discouraged, because before COVID, we were all exhausted, we are all stressed out, and we're all overwhelmed. It's like, no, it's worse than it's ever been before. I, I don't know. I think the news makes everything worse than it's ever been before. But don't worry about it. There's going to be an election soon, and everyone will calm down during the next 50 days. It's going to be awesome, right? But I want to take a look at some post-COVID studies and their conclusions about what Americans are looking for, like bread, like water. What are they thinking about? What are they looking for? This is in Barner Research 2022 says this. Many people today are missing a sense of purpose and meaning. People are asking deep questions of identity. Who am I? What does it mean to be human? 
Reviving evangelism, getting people to Jesus, is going to require a gospel, a Jesus response to these kinds of questions. Now, that, that was the conclusion of a study that looked at like 30,000 people all over the United States, different demographics, different age groups, different ethnicities, different nationalities, and different whatever, right? But here, here's some of the, the thoughts that came into that conclusion. Look at this. Seven in ten people, Americans that were surveyed, believe every person has an ultimate purpose, Now, when was the last time America agreed 7 out of 10 on anything? 7 out of 10 people agreed to vote for this candidate? 7 out of 10 believed that sugarless gum is better for their patients that chew gum? Like, when was the last time Americans agreed about anything that was in any way divisive, controversial, could have different opinions? 7 in 10 believe every, every, every person has an ultimate purpose, and about 6 out of 10 believe that finding their deeper purpose is a quote-unquote major priority of their life. Lifeway Research, that's Barna, Lifeway Research, that's a Southern Baptist group, came up with this. Most Americans, 57%, say they wonder, how can I find more meaning and purpose in my life? At least monthly, they ask that question. Six out of 10 Americans are monthly saying, how can I find more meaning and purpose in my life? And one out of five Americans ask that at least daily or weekly. In other words, one out of five people, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. And the same is true in the cafeteria, and the same is true at the restaurant, and the same is true at the job, and in the classroom, and in your neighborhood. One, two, three, four, five, they were thinking today. Come on. They were thinking today that I don't seem to have the purpose for which I was destined or created or mistakenly evolved. I don't know who I am. I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to be doing. Look at this. Four and five Americans, according to Lifeway Research again, Four and five, 81%, believe there's an ultimate purpose and plan for everyone's life. More than two and three Americans, 68%, say a major priority. Say it with me. A what? A major priority in their life is finding their deeper purpose. Almost three and four, 73%, say it's important. It's important they, they pursue a higher purpose and meaning in their life. Did you just get that? Now, you're not nearly as, as enthralled in this as I am, so I'm going to take it as a stunned awe. But let me just ask you, is that true or is that not true? The people you talk to, your own heart, your own, heart, your own home, is that true or is that not true? We had the great resignation. Why? Because I realized when I had some time to think, my life is not what it should be, what it could be. And so I quit my job because that's where I spend most of my energy and most of my time. And then I got a new job, and now the great resignation is over with. And guess what we've discovered by those who resigned to find their greater purpose? Guess what happened? They found that their new job is still a J-O-B. And, and, a, and a good percentage of them are actually going back to their boss with their tail between their legs saying, can I, I really, after all, like soft serve ice cream is my favorite. Uncle Ray, I beg you, please. Let me come back. I, you know what? Maybe, maybe just jobs are jobs, and my new job in sales is not nearly as satisfying as my old job in carpentry was. And, and maybe, can I just come back? What I'm trying to say is this. A lot of people we know, like 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10, every week, 1 out of 5, every month, 1 out of 5, they're asking the same question, and that is no matter what I do, no matter where I go, no matter how I succeed, no matter what certifications, degrees, diplomas I get, at the end of the day, I look a man or a woman in the face in the mirror that doesn't know what the heck they're supposed to be doing. Interesting. So in 30 AD, hungry people wanted to talk about what? And in 30 AD, thirsty people wanted to talk about what? And in 2022, Americans want to talk about what? Purpose. So 
What would that conversation look like? Today I want to give you the elements of a teaching that I believe is a, is a useful mechanism to catch the wave that the Holy Spirit is sending to a generation. A generation that has pale skin and dark skin and creamy brown skin and black skin and, and you know, red skin and, and I, you know, all the various shades of dirt are the various shades of, of human skin. Are you with me? At least for all the generations. Because I've met people that are seven that want to know what they want to be when they grow up and 70 that haven't found it and are still asking God to get them some purpose in their life. I've known people that have found their purpose, but only for a season. When that season evaporated, the sense of purpose evaporated with it. I knew who I was. I knew I was going to do. God gave me children. Then those stupid brats got big. They took the cars we gave them, and they drove away to go off to college. All I get now is their dirty laundry and their bills. Right? That's the only job you'll ever have that measures success by unemployment. Parenting. When they don't need you anymore, congratulations, you've succeeded. By the way, teach them to do their own stupid laundry. So um, what would a conversation about purpose, what would it sound like? What would it look like today? And I've been in vocational ministry for, this is my, I just finished my 35th year in vocational ministry. You believe that? Oh, I, I didn't say I was good at it. I just said I finished my 35th year. A lot of that seemed like the same year over and over and over again, but that was just covid but, I, but I, I'm just, like, I know this, guys. I know this, and I, and I know that I know this. People do want to talk about why they're here and where they're going. Atheists want to talk about why they're here. Agnostics want to talk about why they're here. People who are hurt by the church and are deconstructing their faith. I know, like, I'm so mad. My friend used to come to church and sit next to me. that They deconstructed their faith. They're bad people because they're asking bad questions. They're accusing the church. Listen, there's so much stupidity in the church right now. There's so much confusion in the world right now that being mad at somebody for deconstructing their faith is like being mad at somebody who caught the plague in Europe in 1918. It's just in the air. But what if the church, instead of defending itself, began to just simply ask people what they believe God made them to be? So I suggest to you that God has created a surfboard that can take the wave. And you know this, the bigger the wave, the faster you go. The more power in the wave. The direction is up to us. So my favorite, most effective conversation starter for this thing is simply this. Here it is, ready? If I were to run into you 10 years from now, I love that. If you've ever been in a car ride with me before and I didn't know you, we're going to have this conversation. If we ever end up in the the water ski boat and the guy on the tube is screaming, my job is to watch him, your job is to watch the boats, while we're screaming and listening to him, hey, 10 years from now, I run into you at the mall. How many of you guys know there won't be malls 10 years from now? I I run into you at the Amazon Collection Center. (laughs) And I say, how you doing? You say, Jim, I, dude, I'm living my dream. I, matter of fact, when, when we first met, the last time we saw each other 10 years ago, I had no idea my life would become this beautiful. See, if I wanted to do 10 years from now, tell me about your life. And, and by the way, you can, you, can, you can have any stupid dream. Listen, the beautiful thing about dreams, hear me. When someone begins to dream, understand this, and you'll get this because you're Americans. There's no cholesterol in dreams. There's no calories in dreams. There's no sugar substitutes in dreams. It's like, it's like a casserole with a double layer of cheese and sausage gravy on top that has no calories but all the flavor. Dreams are beautiful things. Matter of fact, you're the only thing God created that has the superpower, the ability to envision a tomorrow that's different from today and begin to structure your life in that direction. Hear me. People want to talk about their dreams. Now, the extraordinarily hurt, the extraordinarily jaded, maybe not. But even then, it opens the door to say, you can't even dream. Like, what, who broke your heart? 
What happened? But when, when you talk to a person about their dreams, my experience is 95, 98% of the time, someone's going to say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know. Come on, man. There's no calories in this. There's no cholesterol in this. Ten years from now, I run into you. What is the life that you're living? It's a good life. Tell me about your good life. Understand this, too. There's no calories in it, but there's a soul in it. The, the soul that God gave us, even in its dead state, there's a pain, there's a sleepiness, there's a, there's a disconnectedness from our heart to his, but even that is painful enough to tell us something's wrong. Like my heart knows it was created to do more than just build a white picket fence and paint it every three years or hire Pastor Jason and the FCA kids to paint it every three years, right? Every five years because they do an excellent job with a good product. Thank you, Pastor Jason. It's, it's, this, it's this thought that I'm, I'm paying my bills, I'm doing my thing, I'm checking my boxes and my soul is still sound asleep and it was created to be alive. So what the heck? Somebody, somebody help me. Our dreams don't have calories but our dreams do connect our soul to the heart of God for our life. And a person's dreams, hear me, hear me, I've been doing this a long time, a person's dreams will tell you a lot about their destiny as God created them to live. Now, 80%, when you ask that question, they'll say, I, you know. So 10 years from now, what are you doing? Well, I like animals. I think I might be a vet, but I'd have to put them to sleep. So I'll be a good vet that can hire an assistant that has to kill all the old ones. And, but I, even then, I just, yeah, I don't know. Well, I really like kids, but, you know, you're not allowed to put them to sleep, so I, I don't know what's going to happen with that. I, you know, I, I like politics, but I, I just don't think I'm angry enough. Um, I like social media, but nobody on there likes me. And I, I, you know, so in other words, like, what's your dream? What's your passion? What are you going to do? 80% of the time, they'll give you some nebulous or non-existent answer. So what do you do then? Hear me. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5 says this. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. It's your turn. If someone says, I don't know, but, I think this, but I'm not sure. I count it, but I have it. But I try once, but it failed, but I'm not sure. It's like you literally have this bucket in your hand from which you can draw out their purposes. And the questions sound very simple. Many of you have heard it before. It's part of our membership process. It's part of our discipleship process. But if they don't know what they're supposed to be when they grow up, ask them a question like this. What's your passion? What thrills you? Like when, when you're done doing the things you have to do, what are the things you want to do? How many of you guys have heard that question before? Let me see your hand. What thrills you? Here in this house. You've heard it here in this house. Yeah. There's something we talk about a lot. Why? Because that's a clue to who God made them to be. I don't think God wants me to be something that I'm just, I have no desire to be. I'm sorry, but my desires are actually clues to a satisfaction that can only be found in obedience to what God made me to be. God never is going to put his grace on your imitation or my imitation of somebody else's life. You have a life. You have a purpose. You have a destiny. So what's your passion? What, when you're done doing the things you have to do, what are the things you want to do? What are the things you just love to do? What are the things that, like you take a day off and, and like, I'll be honest with you. Yesterday, the Joneses were moving. It's 87 degrees, 96 with the heat index, and everything the Joneses own weighs 400 pounds. Here's the dishes. It's a box that weighs 400 pounds. It's like, is Trey in the box with the dishes? Like, what is it? So I know enough that I'm not the right guy to walk all day in the hot sun up and down and back and forth. And then, so I, I let Pastor Jason be young and virile and, and lead that charge. But I got on my lawnmower because they got a, an anchor that hadn't been mowed in like three weeks. I know what happens in Michigan when you don't mow your lawn for three weeks? You get a jungle. I found children, ancient civilizations, things that had been lost, a Model T. It was beautiful. But that's, it is my happy life. What are you passionate about? I love taking things that are not pretty sitting on a machine and making them pretty. I love snow blowing. I do. It's funny. You're like, oh, you're stupid. Yeah, but I love it. 
I love painting. Why? Because that wall was this color, and then it's not anymore. It's beautiful. It's satisfying. I like cleaning carpets. Why? There goes the stain. Why do people drink coffee in this church? What's the, right? When it gets done, you guys know why that coffee tastes funny? That's the water we pulled out of the rug. That's just, no, I'm kidding. It's not. It's not filtered by nylon rugs. That's, thank you. It's, it's the best coffee in the world. I love it. But seriously, like, it, it's, I love that stuff. Why? I don't know. Because there's something satisfying about taking something that isn't right and making it right. Can you see where my passion for those things has a different expression besides just mowing the grass? Because if your marriage walks into my office and it's overgrown, I love mowing it. If your children walk into my office and their faith is covered in the snow of a generation's lies, I love unearthing it. It's, it's, it's that instantaneous satisfaction for that eternal thing for which God created me to live. Does this make sense? What's your passion? Second, what's your pain? What's the stuff that kills you? Like if you could change anything in the world, sex trafficking, the impossible dream of ending a multi-billion dollar industry with people that have absolutely no conscience whatsoever and ending it. That's impossible. Well, you know what? Everything's impossible until Jesus gets involved. I love what my wife said. It actually made me cry a little bit. And I'm, I'm a relatively hard-hearted person by, by necessity. I've, I, I shelter my heart from a lot of emotions. Uh, never mind. It's not a counseling session. But thanks for joining me anyway. Send me a bill. When she said they're going to stand, the young lady's going to stand on this platform and say thank you to you for your contribution, my heart just went, I could see it. Could you see it? But that's, that's a pain. I didn't even know I had it until I understood that there was something and there was someone and there was somewhere. But that, that pain that has absorbed one of our families to, or several of our families now, to, we're going to change somebody's life, somebody's lives. That, that pain of a generation. I mean, Pastor Jason and Mel, when they became youth pastors, didn't do it for the money and the fame. There was something in them that said, this is who we are, we're supposed to do. There was a pain that was relieved by finding a kid who was lost and helping him be found. You hear what I'm saying? What's your pain? What's that stuff that, like, it bothers you? Matter of fact, it bothers you so much, here's one of the clues, that when you start talking about it, your friends and family members roll their eyes and often leave the room. Oh, yeah, man, I just always thought, I thought this would you know, be the first Thanksgiving I wouldn't have to hear about blah, 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 right? Why does he always talk about Ohio State football? They almost got beat yesterday. I was so excited, right? They are my pain. <laughs> and the third thing is, what's your proficiency? What fills you? What, what are the gifts that God naturally gave you? Some people pick up a musical instrument and music comes out. Other people pick up a musical instrument and like three angry wet cats in a burlap sack are fighting for their lives. What happened? Well, one has a proficiency given by God and one doesn't. One, one person likes to sit and listen in class. One person, if they're in class, they better be talking or they're not paying attention, JD. And what I'm saying is this. Hear me, in, in this thought, guys, you've got to grasp this. Like, everybody's different. Do you see that? So your passion doesn't even be my passion. I, I don't even have to understand your passion. I don't have to relate to your pain. I don't even have to have a clue about your proficiency, but you do. And when God gives us a passion, a pain, a proficiency, what's he doing? He's giving us a treasure map to our purpose. So the generation around us, 80% of them are thinking often, 20% of them are thinking about it today, 56% of them are saying, this is a major quest in my life that I have not yet satisfied. If they're thinking about purpose, how many guys know that if we could ask them about their passion, about their pain, about their proficiency, we could begin to speak to them about a God-ordained purpose. Are you still here? This is not the wave. The wave is here. This is the surfboard. 
And when you put those things side by side, you've written things around them and down them. I've done this on napkins. I've done this on the back of blotters and things. I've done it. Uh, I, I did one on my hand one time. I've done it like just verbally a thousand times. But when you can put them side by side, let me tell you what happens next. If we can get where those things overlap, a, a purpose begins to emerge. Are you seeing this? And if I say to people, if you could live there, wake up tomorrow morning there, right in the middle of your passion, right in the middle of your pain, right in the middle of your proficiency, you hate it, you gotta fix it. You love it and it thrills your soul and you're so good at it that everybody wants you to do it with them or for them. Would you live that way? And 100% of the time, people say, yeah. Why? Because we were created for that. I wanna teach people to hold their breath for seven minutes without dying. No one wants that lesson. I want to teach you to live without college football. No one wants that lesson. I want to to teach you to become an Ohio State football fan. Nobody wants that lesson. And those who do, there's an altar for you available for repentance at the end of the service today. What I'm saying is this. But if 100% of the people say, yeah, I I can't explain it, but yeah. I can't, there's no language, but my soul just said, yeah. My, My heart knows that my head can't quite connect the dots, but yeah. Understand this, guys, 100% of the people you talk to, if, if this conversation goes well and they're not fighting and resisting you, and, but they, they, they're part of that 56%, they're part of that 21%, they're part of that 81% of people that thought about it, it's strong in their life, they, they need this, they're, they're thinking bread, you've got bread, they're thinking water, this is water. Are you still here? They will want to talk to you about this. So here's what we need to do now. I'm gonna do something I've never done. 27 years of being the pastor, 27 years. I've never once done this, and we're about to do it right now. Look at the scripture. We're about to memorize this scripture. Because I think you guys already know the, the circles. The first one is what is your, what is your what? Passion. Second, what is your, third one, what is your, okay. What, what thrills you, come on, and what kills you, and what fills you. Say it again. The first one is what is your passion? What is your what in third is your, okay, why do we start with passion? Everybody wants to talk about passion. No one wants to talk about pain. We're American. So we start with the one everybody wants to talk about. You still here? Let me do it again, just so you get it. First circle, what is your? Second circle, what is your? Third one, what is your? And those three things are a clue to the fourth P, which is a person's purpose. And that's what they want to talk about. Look at this verse. It's Ephesians 1.11. It can't get any easier than one one one. Ephesians 1, 1, 1. And you say, Ephesians 11, 1? No, you idiot. No, Ephesians 1, 1, 1. Ephesians 1, 11. I'm sorry, I didn't call you an idiot. But in my mind, I, I, I did. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. In the message transliteration, it says this. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Say it with me. It's in that we find out and... Say it again. It's in that we find out... And what we're, say it again, it's in that we find out, and what we're, say it again, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Where's that found? Ephesians what? One, 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 one. Once upon a time, there was a man that had three dogs. One was blue, one was red, one was green. What I've done is just diverted you. Your short-term memory, memorize that scripture, I just diverted you. Let's see if it made it past your short-term memory into your midterm memory. Are you ready? Say it again. It's in that we find out. Say it again. It's in that we find out. And isn't this a we are Marshall moment? Isn't this fun? Say it without my help. Say it again. Ephesians 1, 11 says what? It's 
That makes me pretty happy. Let's see if we got it right. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. I've never done that before, but you guys are really good. There's going to be a final exam in three minutes. Are you ready? It's okay. Write it down. Quick, Bob. Write it down. Stanley, write it down. Those who did well in tests have to do well. And the rest of us are like, I don't know. I'll just sit next to a smart girl, and she'll tell me what the scripture was when I did it. It's in Christ. So we've got passion, pain, proficiency, speaking of purpose, but it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Now, what we just did is we connected what 80% of the people around us are already thinking to the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way that they will want to talk about again with you in the near future if it wasn't completely satisfying this time around. God created you with a purpose. Wow, what, what would stand between you and God accomplishing this? Panel girl, join me, if you would, please. What would stand between you and God? Like, what? They want to talk about it. It's just like going to a Michigan game. Everybody's got on the same Michigan shirts. We were out walking on some trail in Brighton the other day. Babe, where's that? was Brighton, right behind the roundabout mall there. And a guy's walking down the trail with his wife. He's wearing a Michigan shirt the day before the opening game. You'll never guess what we talked about. Because I knew he was thinking it. He was wearing a Michigan shirt. His wife, I don't know, but he was wearing a Michigan shirt. I said, hey, man, one more day. Are we ready? He goes, I'm ready. I don't know if they're ready. <laughs> what would the conversation have been like if it was a Ohio State fan? Hey, be careful. Guy up the trail's got a gun. Go ahead and enjoy your walk. And it was me, by the way. What would stand between? Like, they want to talk about it. They need to talk about it. They don't have answers, and you do. So what do you think the conversation should be, right? Look at this. Start talking to people about purpose. Can I just, if I could get on my knees and feel like it meant more, I would. But it doesn't, and I won't. God is sending a wave. The wave is not an answer. The wave is a question. And almost universally, you say, what about the other 20%? Either they found it, or they're so dull, they just don't even care anymore. But the vast majority... Like, like if this were the world that you live in, this is your neighborhood, your classroom, all these people, all the way to here, and only like the first five rows. These people don't want to talk about it. Everybody else in the room wants to talk about it. Everybody else in the neighborhood wants to talk about it. Everybody else on the PTA board wants to talk about it. Everybody in the next cubicle over. Everybody you're pounding nails with on the job. And like eight out of 10, just a small section don't want to talk about it. Everybody else wants to talk about their purpose. So you're sitting at lunch, you say, can I ask you, can I ask you a question? Yeah, okay. Why do you think you're here? Like, what, what do you think your ultimate purpose is in life? Gee, 80% would say. Okay. Can I ask you three questions? What's your, what are you passionate about? What kills you? What's your pain? What thrills you? Kills you and fills you? What's, what's, what's your proficiency what is it oh man I think I kind of okay well let's, let's take these as clues and go on a treasure hunt for your purpose but before we do understand this here's the final exam where is that verse found it's in what book and what is the chapter and verse here we go final exam and what is that verse what does it say <laughs> there's somebody smart over here that had it and everybody else kind of caught on it's in Christ it's in Christ that we find a What's that verse again? Say it again. It's in Christ that we find out and we found your passion, we found your pain, we found your proficiency. All we need now 
It's the person who gave it to you so that you could discover. There's, there's a treasure. There's a map maker. And he didn't make you to behave yourself. He made you to be yourself. He didn't create you to quit smoking and chewing and running with girls that's doing. He created you to find the superior pleasures of a heavenly father's kingdom and that you would subside, you would, you would quit, you would stop wrestling for the slop and begin to feast as sons and daughters. It's in Christ that you'll find out who you are and what you're doing here. So what happens next? All kinds of wonderful things. Hey, why don't you come with me to church? My pastor won't shut up about this kind of stuff. Hey, why don't you listen to the sermon series? Get, download the app. But you know what would be even better than that? What do you say you and I talk to the map maker right now? Can I just simply pray for you? Say, oh, Jim, that's way too far. Then do what you can do. But don't chicken out on an opportunity to help someone find themselves. If, if you had a pill that would cure COVID and someone was in moments going on a ventilator, you say, well, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to hurt their feelings of pills. Some people don't like pills. It's kind of controversial. It's a political issue now. Or would you say, listen, I care enough about you to give you a pill that will solve this problem. Well, I have a pill for you. It's called the gospel. That was so stupid and corny, but it just came to me. And I, I'm so excited about that. Hey, a new joke, honey. That's one in three years. Yay. Man, you got the pill. You got the cure. Would you stand your feet? Nobody leave. Stand your feet, but nobody leave. If you leave, I'm writing your name down. I'm going to put you on the prospective deacon list just to punish you. Just to punish you. I like this picture. I don't know who made it, but it's really cool. I don't know why. It looks like this sweet little American boy talking to Mao Zedong on a, on a walkie-talkie as a, as a child, telling people about Jesus, but on purpose. Talking to people about Jesus about purpose. Do you see this or do you not see this? Do you get this or do you not get this? I, there's a wave. 80% of Americans are agreeing. We haven't had this, literally, we haven't had this much agreement since five out of six dentists recommended sugarless gum. Like, this is huge. Our nation, our neighbors are lost. And the idols of our land will never satisfy. They only tempt, they only draw, and they always disappoint. I promise, I promise, I promise. Well, uh, no, but the, if you take the next level, I promise. Oh, okay, but, but if you just, one more time, you just say, hey, we, I, have, I know so many people, like I'm doing their funerals, and they never found Jesus. But they always signed up for the next subscription, and they got the next course, and they cashed the next check, and their hearts were just as empty as they were when they were children and they didn't have any friends. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Let's talk about purpose. Let's talk about Jesus on purpose. So, Father, I thank you today. I would imagine in this room, there's people that would fit into this conversation not as a student learning how to help someone find Christ, but as someone who has yet to find Christ. And so the last 90 seconds, friends, hear me. Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed. Not, not because, you know, of any other reason other than I think it's important that you and I have a conversation about God. Just me and you. No other distractions. Just me and you. If you don't know who you are and you don't know what you're supposed to do. There's about 300 people right now that can quote a scripture to you that might be helpful. It's in Christ. 
It's in, it's in this relationship with Jesus. It's in his mercy that forgives us of our sins. It's in the sacrifice that he made on the cross to pay a debt he didn't owe for our debt that we couldn't pay. It's in this restorative, I'll pay, I'll pay the check for you. I'll cover, I'll cleanse, I'll renew, I'll make you fresh, born all over again. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're supposed to do. Heads about, eyes are closed, nobody looking around. It's a private moment, but you're here today, you're like, Jim, um, that's me. I, I'm out of Christ. <laughs> I'm not in Christ. I'm, I'm an observer from the outside. But today, something in my heart says this is real. Something in my soul says this is true. A part of me has said amen many times, even though I don't know what the word amen means. And so here and now, here and now, online, on the radio, here and now. I give my life to the map maker. I give my life to the one who has hidden treasure inside of me. I give my life to Jesus because it's in Jesus Christ that we find out who we are and what we're here for. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. When I come to three, I'm say one, two, three. When I say three, if that's you, I just simply want you to lift your hand. And I don't need to see your hand, but there's something that happens in your heart when it goes from an acknowledgement on the inside of you to a physical action on the outside of you. When faith, trust becomes obedience. When, when, when my will bends to his will and I say yes and amen to his promises. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, but today you want this. Today you need this. Today you're, you give your life to this Jesus in whom we find who we are and what we're here to do. One, over this room, you hand to go up. Two, without a moment's hesitation, doesn't matter who sees, who doesn't see, eyes are closed, heads are bowed. You ready? Over this room, right now. Three, lift your hand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow, yeah. Awesome. Who I am and what I'm supposed to do is in Jesus. It's in Christ. Go ahead and put your hands back down again. Can I just make one quick observation? It's interesting that some were young and some were my age. Some were men. Some were women. Some were teenagers. And some probably have grandchildren that are teenagers that raised their hand just now. What's that say? It means that the purposes of our heart, we, we need someone to help us see. Does that make sense? Someone to, to it's by faith. Like faith comes by hearing. I gotta, I gotta know this. So by simply having this conversation for the few minutes we had together, a dozen or so, I'm guesstimating, I don't see well, but a dozen or so hands that I saw, just said yes to Jesus. All over this room right now, can we just, just do this right now? Let's go right back to God. You're on your heart right now. We stand before him. Say this with me all over this room. I just want to give you words. If you don't need my words, don't use them. But if you need my words or you just want to encourage those around you, would you do this right now with me? Let's pray. Say this with me. Jesus, it's in you that I find out who I am and what I'm here for. So who I am is yours. And what I'm here for is you. Forgive me my sins. I was wrong, and you were right. But from this day forward, I belong to you, and you belong to me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Teach me your word. And I'll see you soon. Father, I pray that if there's any object lesson that would say this might have some good validity in it, I can't remember the last time this many people raised their hand for salvation. 
can't remember, that maybe Easter or Christmas Eve or something. But on a holiday weekend, when half the people are up north sending behind a water ski boat, you have sent a wave. And maybe it's not the only surfboard, but it, it did the job today, and the wave did most of the work. And we pray, Holy Spirit, help us to surf the wave of purpose that you have sent to our nation and bring people to Jesus because it's in Christ. It's in Christ. We find out who we are and what we're here for. Nothing else. And I thank you for this time. Bless it now we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. People who love to pray are coming to the altars. People who need prayer will join them at your leisure. If you have children in the nursery, run, run, run. Three, fours, and fives, you know, walk briskly. Children's church, stroll, just stroll. Have fun. God bless you. You are dismissed. Live long and prosper. We'll see you again next week.